0: The following is a presentation of the Belly Sports Media Network.
1: Hey Blue, we are the Baseball Umpires Podcast for umpires by an umpire. We are more than just balls and strikes and outs and safes. Listen in for tips, rule interpretations, equipment and attire reviews, interviews with umpires of all levels, and some funny stories that might come up every time out on the baseball field. If you're new to the field as an umpire or a seasoned vet in the world of umpiring, then this is the podcast for you. Hey Blue, the umpire podcast is part of the 1420 Sports Bar group of podcasts on the Belly Up Network. Welcome to the Hey Blue umpire podcast for umpires, by an umpire for this Valentine's Day, February the 14th, 2023. Today we're joined by Kent Walker, longtime baseball candidate umpire and author of the umpire's uh, mentor book, Advice, Tips, Stories uh of the best umpire mentors in the world how are you doing today kent
0: i'm great how are you doing
1: i'm doing really well thank you very much for joining us on on the hey blue podcast we really appreciate uh, the time that you're that uh, that you're going to spend with us on this uh valentine's night i hope we're not taking away from a valentine's dinner or something
0: i'm glad to be here thanks for asking me no we had uh we both are just getting over covid actually so we had no big plans tonight anyway.
1: Yeah, that hasn't gone away it's still uh, kicking around but oh, it's good to see you're doing okay and it's not uh, kicking people like it was 2 3 years ago how it was uh taking the world by storm. Uh Kent before we get going I uh I was reading one of your blog posts today and it made it made me laugh cuz I have one uh if We'll have a few goals in the, in the baseball world, but one of them, uh, when we do our clinics every every other Saturday here for Central Alberta Umpire Association, is when somebody, when there's a foul ball, that just don't throw your hands up in the air and yell foul ball if, it, if the ball is going into the parking lot. That's something that drives me nuts. And by re- reading a few of your blog posts there, uh, I think it drives you a little bit batty too.
0: Well, it does. And, and I try for most of the things, at least anyway, that that bother me. I try and have a reason for it rather than just say, don't do that. There, there's a reason for it, and I think most umpires, most experienced umpires, know why. Because sometimes you put your hands up and the the you lose sight of the ball and it goes fair. And I've seen that happen. Yeah. And it also attracts attention to you when you don't need it. Sometimes you need to be the center, but most of the time you don't. So yeah, there's that's no the, need for it. Don't do
1: it. Yeah, that's one thing that I say because you, like, you get into up the the higher levels of baseball a little bit, and if you got to inexperienced guy and you call a foul ball and it's rolling it's rolling uh at, into the parking lot and the, the coach at third base or the manager who might be they're like no kidding like good yeah. call and so you don't yeah. want to have that kind of negative influence on on you uh ken before we get into your book and your blog that's kind of why we have you here but um congratulations it's been out for a year now on, on your book but uh do you somewhat recall your first game or your first series of games and did you get the umpire bug right off the bat or was something you grew into a little bit
0: wow uh that's taken me back a few years it's been 33 years since i started umpiring i didn't start really umpiring i think everybody if they play baseball they end up umpiring a few games here and there and uh, just being stuck there not really knowing how to do it but you had baseball experience so they figure you're fine that, that was me but i stopped playing when i was 32 i think and i didn't want to leave the game so it was either coaching or umpiring. I had already coached and I refereed a lot of hockey, so I chose the umpire part of it. And I, I, I would say it was pretty darn quick that I fell in love with it. And back then there wasn't a, there wasn't a whole lot of training. That would be back in the 80s, I would think. No, early 90s. And uh, I was thrown into a, a senior level game, my first game. So there there was, and there was no, uh, there was like a, uh, a, a one day clinic, but there's nothing on positioning or anything in it. We just, uh, asked a lot of questions and, and watched everybody else. I remember one of my first games I was doing bases and there's a, like a ground ball to shore with nobody out and the plate umpire is coming up the first baseline. As I'm making my out call at first, I'm going, what the, heck? I didn't say anything at the time. Well, what the hell are you doing up here? It looked like to me. That he didn't trust my call so he wanted to come up and have a better look there's no training that no ever we know why the plate umpire goes up the line but nobody explained it to me at the time and so i felt insulted but i didn't i didn't lose my head i just asked him why and found out so that's the kind of thing we were thrown into back then
1: yeah that's, that's kind of what i was going to ask you because there's, things are a little different now than they were 30 years ago like when i started back in in the 80s there uh like you said you, you play baseball and i grew up across from little league Field. So when I was I don't know 12, 13 years old whatever it was you you went out there and you and you just did it and you just kind of hope what you saw on TV on Saturday on Saturday afternoons and then people that you saw umpiring your your own games and you kind of learned on that and there was no uh, there was no YouTube videos or teaching or mentorship or nothing back then you just went out and hoped and and, and the, the way it goes like uh, in the clinics back then they weren't even mandatory you just if you went you went if you didn't you didn't so you had a lot of a lot of hat fillers pretty much.
0: Yeah, I don't want to sound really old, but there was no real internet back
1: then. No, so. there wasn't. Sure there wasn't. If you I, wanted, I, I wanted, if you wanted to so find was... out a
0: rule, or if you wanted to find a uniform or a mask or anything, there was—you had to really dig. You had to really want to do it.
1: Yeah, that's the uh, biggest thing that I've noticed that compared to now, compared to what it was way back then, is that uh, now there there are options, there are things that uh that the associations want to do what's the the biggest thing that you've noticed uh in just in the last 20 years i guess not i don't want to go back 30 because there was nothing back then but let's say when uh, um, baseball canada or your local associations got more involved uh what do you think brought on that change brought on which change the change so the associations get get involved more and there are more associations and baseball canada has a mentorship program what do you think brought that all on
0: I think it's just a a natural progression there are some really incredibly talented people in the Baseball Canada umpire program and they've been allowed to use their abilities I've seen groups whether it's business groups or sports groups who play politics all the time and the, the good old boys get to have their say and do what they want and run it the way they want that doesn't happen with the umpires association in Canada there's a a smart group there and they recognize talent when they see it whether it's in administration or teaching or umpiring on the field they they recognize it and they let them let them have their fill.
1: yeah it, it is great the way things are done and it, if and not not just on the baseball cantaloupe but if people people do have the options and it's right across north america really they do have options to utilize that and it's it's nice to see that other associations are using the material that is available to, uh, available to them, and it, it helps mentor umpires because we get to a point where where we can't be be, be out there. they doing hundred games a year. We need people to be out there uh, taking up the slack a little bit. And because all all players want to want to play forever and be coaches forever, uh, it is nice that we have we have abilities to teach guys and maybe urge them into becoming umpires at some point. And is that something that you you guys are having a problem out in your neck of the woods is trying to recruit umpires?
0: Oh, there's always a problem. I've uh, I used to go to the national meetings and and every time I go to the national meetings, I'd ask the other provincial supervisors, what are you doing to recruit umpires? I, I wanted to find different ways because ours wasn't working, whatever it was, but I found out that everybody has a problem with recruiting umpires from the age of especially like 15 to 19 in that 15 to 25 even because they have other things going on. So it's not a unique problem, which is one thing that helped me to find that out. That it's not just us; we're not the only ones that are having problems recruiting umpires. So we've we've developed a, a we're starting to develop a good mentor program here, and uh, it's it's showing. we I'm only talking two or three years where we've really devoted time and money to it now, and I think it's starting to show off now as well that people are coming back, returning umpires.
1: Your latest blog post that was uh, called called Shining Your Shoes, the importance of it and the whole like, but there's more to it than just shining your shoes. If somebody just saw the headline, they should really, uh, or the the title of your your blog post, it's really about more than just shining your shoes. Uh, With your mentorship program and clinics that happen, uh, the biggest thing for, for us that we have is repetition and getting guys to do things over and over until they get it done right. And it's not just saying, do this. There's a reason why you're doing this. Is yeah. that something that, you? and it's not just because I said so, give them the, the reasons of why, the who, what, why, when, when, where of, of things. Is that something that, that you, uh, as a mentor and as an instructor and as a, an evaluator over the years, is that something that you, uh, you kind of pride yourself in a little bit as why you're doing things, not just uh, here's how you, you do something?
0: I always tell the kids, if I go too fast or if you're getting somebody else who just tells you, do this, do that, I always tell the kids, Don't be afraid to ask them why, because there should be a good reason. We don't just want you to do this stance as your plate umpire because we just want it that way. There should be a reason for it that will benefit you. And some of the guys, and myself included, we forget to tell them why. And it also helps the person to understand why we're asking them to do that. It's not just if we just tell them your chin should be at the catcher's, top of the catcher's head. Then you explain why, and they go, oh, I get it, instead of just saying, I can see really better from way up high. Now, if we we tell them, chin at the top of the catcher's head, and then tell them why, they'll understand that better and remember it better than just telling them, do it, damn it.
1: Yeah, you get more of a positive response from people when you say, here, here's why, here's here's the, the reasoning, and everything else, and instead of just do this, do this, and you, you seem like a dictator, and you don't want to do that. Even as, a, as an umpire, when you're doing games, you don't want to be a, a dictator. Um, let's move on to your book. I'm really excited to read a, a couple of guys that I umpire with that have read it already, and said uh, it's fantastic. Um, how did you come up with the concept of, of umpire mentors? Uh, it's, a,
0: it's a fairly long story, and I'm a fairly slow guy, so it took me a while. My background is in uh, writing. I work for newspapers and I've edited for newspapers for 25 years. And I, I had an uh, a cousin who wrote a book, basically the, the same one who's on the environment. He asked uh, all kinds of environmentalists and different people all over the world how they could save the planet. So I thought, oh, that's really nice. I wonder if I could do it. I'm. And before I go there, I gotta tell you that uh, I said it was a long story, so I'm, oh, fine. I'm not going to make it any shorter. Uh, one of my baseball coaches way back years ago was Vern Handerhand, who was the only major league player to ever come from our province uh, in the modern era. We had two guys from way back in the 1800s. But uh, he didn't drive. So as I got older, either me or my grandfather would drive him to the games, and sometimes they're on long trips. So everywhere we went, he would, we'd drive by a park or something. He would always say, that's a nice place for a ballpark. Gee, the, a ballpark would look good in there. So he was always thinking baseball. Yeah. So I learned from that. And it just naturally evolved into umpiring. When I became an umpire, everything became about umpiring. I can use that for umpiring. Oh, I wonder if that would be good for umpiring. Well, there's a good twist. I can use that. So when I see these things, when I see the book, I'm thinking... How can I change put that into umpiring? What can I use that? Then I saw another book. Oh yeah. can't remember the name of it now. Uh give me a minute.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: Uh no, it's gone on too long. Sorry. Okay there's another book uh that was about business mentor mentorship. And it, it turned the corner for me. The guy asked nine questions or seven questions on how to be a business, better business person, two famous business people. And I thought, that's it. The combination of those two books, I realized I could do a book because I didn't want to just be written from me. Who am I to tell other people how to umpire? I haven't even gone to umpire school. I've umpired for a lot of years and I've had some successes, but there's a lot of people who know a lot more than I do. So why don't I pick their brains and ask them, what's the best, The best nine questions I can come up with, ask them the toughest questions that will help the most umpires improve. So then when I had that, then the challenge was to come up with really good questions because you've only got these guys for a little bit. You can't go back to them and ask them more questions. So I think we come up with some really good questions in there in the book that will help people become better umpires.
1: No, the uh, the nine questions is a fantastic idea, and the way you 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 describe it, the nine nine questions for nine innings and and, and the whole bit. Uh, since since I read this, it got my head spinning a lot, and it goes through. Uh, I answered them myself. Um, it, it, it's fantastic how you, you came through them. Are there something some things that you still like when you get get the season going every year? Is there, are, do you uh, revisit these questions in your head a couple of them here and there?
0: I'm always trying to improve. So I'm always looking for ways to learn, to do things better. I'm always looking for the perfect game, which never happens. You try and get as close as you can. I'm always looking for a challenge. If I'm doing a a 15U game that I could, you know, between umpires, 15U game, we've done a little higher level than that. We could probably do that fairly easily, but we don't, that doesn't mean you go to sleep in that game. That's a big game to these kids too. So you still try and do your best, and you find your challenges in that game as well. So I'm always asking myself, what do I need to improve, and what's my challenge for this year? I need some goals. I always have goals.
1: Yeah, you. Funny you mentioned that we we went and saw some pitches from Pete at the uh, Prairie Baseball Academy here on the weekend, and we had a guy. Uh, he's riding about two, three years into it, and he was a little bit nervous uh, seeing some pitches. And I said, you watch, it's going to be easier than doing a 15U game because the catch is a little bit better. The pitches are around the plate. And he, and when it was all said and done, he felt quite good about himself. He goes, yeah, that was a lot easier than, than not. You see a 15U game and lower than that, how it can be. You see a lot of things you don't see at the higher levels of baseball. Oh, yeah. And you got to be a lot more on your toes for those games because anything could happen at any time and you need to know the rules and your positioning has to be that much better at those levels. Uh, when you first started thinking about guys to get in your book and umpires to get into your book did you have any uh any trouble convincing a guy to be a part of it and and get get through the nine questions or was everybody pretty much uh just like yeah anything you need i'd love to help out it's a great concept was there any arm twisting did you have to twist old ronnie shoe arm to get him off the golf course for a few hours or how did that all how did that all go for you
0: most of the people that are in the book I had no problem with, I'd say 60, 70%. That being said, to get 100 people in the book, I had to approach 1400. Yeah. Because some, you know, some didn't write back, some didn't respond, some weren't interested, some couldn't communicate well enough to put their thoughts down. Some would put together their first answer, which would be one or two sentences for each question. I'd come back to them and say, Can we expand on that? And they'd never get back to me, stuff like that. So that got very frustrating. But the people who are in the book, most of them, they were just great from the start, including Ronnie. Ronnie's.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like Ronnie's for her to run. shut up,
0: than to, to get going.
1: Yeah, that's true. I know. I've filtered uh, I've a few. Uh... Few adult beverages with Ronnie over the last few years. No, I I, I always enjoy uh, Ron's company. He's, uh, he's a good good man. He's a he's a great mentor. Even uh, you know at the older we get and everything else, he still has uh, things that he sees in, in wrong. And he he's no he has his a certain way of telling you after the game too about how and sometimes during the game if it really goes sideways. But no, Ron's Ron's really good people. And that's the one thing I have noticed a lot too, Kent, is over the the years. Is that most people who are passionate about umpires, they want to share their knowledge a lot, and they aren't f- afraid to um, to say yes, no, maybe, and yeah, the, the, whatever you need to help out, because they they want to grow the game as well. And I, I, that's one thing about umpires, especially the, the good ones, they, they they want to see other umpires succeed. You do have, as some of your other blog posts, you talk about the, the loudmouth guys and who aren't very good, and they they don't seem to want to help, and you can pick those guys out pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, what I like about the guys, like you say, who, and I agree 100% with that, but what I like about the guys who really want to share their knowledge, they've achieved a certain level, they don't, none of them that I know come off with the attitude "Is look, I'm really good and successful, so you'd be wise to listen to me, kind of, yeah. I'm you know, I'm great, kind of, guy. it's just, this is my experience, I can help you with this, is kind of inferred or implied that... Uh, you know, I can help you with this. I have knowledge of this, so here's what I think. And then they they let you run with that. What none was, of them try and tell you what to do because they say so. It's it's just because they're they're good and they want to help. They care.
1: And then it makes your job or my job or their job easier too when you're when you're a partner with a guy and if you if you're in the right position or if you're doing something that, that's incorrect. Then, then the storm won't won't, won't uh, happen again, and then it's just easier for them. And, and you're not putting fires out uh, every third or fourth night of the week. And it it, it can only help the game and, and help you out as an umpire to make you better, so it gets gets passed on to uh, to other people. And it, like, yeah, knowledge is is gold when it comes to umpire, and you, you can never have you can never have enough. And it, it's uh, it's a, it's a great thing. Um, when compiling all all the all the uh, the stories that you came together what was the one that uh, that surprised you the most of the similarities between a major league guy and say a guy who's uh doing like I said like little league or 15 U or whatever it may be what was the most surprising similarities of umpires at, at uh, the highest level you can get to to the uh, the lower levels you could get to
0: so that's easy the best stories didn't matter the level it was with other umpires this happened to me and my buddy, this happened to us on the field, this happened to us off the field, because it's all about the experience with your your partners, your teammates, who you really enjoy working with. It's not always just about the game. It's sometimes about, I'm having fun with this guy here because I trust him, I enjoy working with him or her. And it's a lot of fun. I'm learning and I'm having fun with this person. And now we've gone off the field and we're having more adventures. So that was always the, the stories in the book is whether it was on the field or off the field, it's with my buddies, my umpire buddies.
1: Was there a, a horror story that you, that you might've got that you read? I know you don't have to say who it was or what it was that, that you maybe went, Oh, maybe I shouldn't put this in my book because we hear about the negativity of of that goes around. And it, it's, there is some negative things when it comes to, to baseball. It's not sugarcoated that cause it's just, that's just how it is. But that, that's been around as long as the game's been around about coaches and, and managers and players and, and umpires getting in a, a a set to, Was there a horror story that you read that you went, I cannot believe that that happened in a in a baseball game between adults?
0: No, there is. I think there is only one story that I that I had contributed that I couldn't use, and it's just because it wouldn't translate well now from the whenever it was in the '80s or whatever. It was just a, more of a. What would be considered uh, maybe a little racist today so i figured I better just it, it wasn't meant that way and it nobody took it that, that way at the time but in our society today i had a little fear that it might be taken that way so i just thought i'd leave that out and take the stress away there weren't any real there, there's a story in there i think it's john bible mentions that one of his uh one of his uh partners the pitcher questioned his judgment, and next thing you know, the runners on first, and the umpire goes Bach, Next pitch, balk. Next pitch, box in the winning run. You don't do that anymore, but it, it was done. It was done, and it happened.
1: Yeah, so. it's uh, no, it's crazy the way, like you said, like and to leave a story like that out, and it's like you said, if it wasn't meant to be that way. And uh, people just take things differently. And uh, the best way to avoid a situation is to avoid a situation. To leave to leave some things uh, that are left unsaid. I think it's the best way you can do it. And that comes on the field as well. Sometimes just just leave it be and just this. Let's just go on to the next thing because you might be opening up a whole uh, a whole bunch of uh, trouble for yourself. Sometimes when you you go out there looking like a, a playing the role as a uh, as an officer instead of an official.
0: Yeah, it's uh, just. You shouldn't be the show out there. Play the game, move on as fast as you can, move on to the next thing, get the game going again. And the only time they should be noticing the umpires is when he's made a a tough call, a controversial call.
1: Who was the uh, like uh, we talked about Ronnie and we we'll talk about a friend a, a friend of mine the late great Mitch Ball in a in a little bit here but who who was the most colorful guy you had in your book and, and like I don't want to give your whole your whole book away from people to go out and buy and buy it in a whole bit but uh, who was the most colorful character you had uh, in your book that you go man I I'd, I'd like to to maybe sit down with this guy after a game and have a conversation with him because this is uh this is entertaining as heck.
0: That's a good question. Uh... Well, just nationally, of course, Dave Cass always comes to mind. Dave didn't, uh, Dave saved his stories from, from his, uh, real life adventures on the field and off the field and, and didn't, uh, didn't share a lot in the book with, about those. But Dave is one of the most fun guys to be around and a very good umpire as well. So I always enjoy hanging around Dave and listening to his stories and watching Dave, uh, live his stories. They're always fun. Uh, anybody else in the book? That's hard to, it's hard to pick one out right now but there's uh there's a lot of guys in there uh the minor league guys when they there's a lot of a fair amount of guys from the minor leagues AAA and AA who came up in the 80s and 90s when the game was a lot tougher there's no instant replay no constant supervision and the players and coaches tested them every day so there's some there's some tough stories from back then they had to deal a lot harsher with people I guess the the most fun story, I think it's uh, Neil Taylor, was a AAA umpire. That they had to it was the runner stealing second. He was the league leader in steals, and he stole second. They called him out. He didn't like it. They ejected him, and then for some reason they uh, reinstated him. I think. I'm gonna look it up. Oh, see, all he says, and he wouldn't he wouldn't share any more on it, is uh, Essex Sneed had the stolen base record August 21st, 2000, Advanced A, Potomac Cannons, then he immediately got ejected after he stole the base, then we reversed the call. And I asked him, Neil's a, Neil's a man of very few words, Neil has his own book, actually, and again, very few words in the book. He, very short sentences. A lot of pictures.
1: Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> and uh, so it, it begs more. So if you if you know Neil, ask ask him about the story. I'd love to hear more. about. It. And I looked it up. I, 2000, it's online, and it yeah. did happen. Just, of course, when you look online, they don't explain everything. But the guy did yeah. have the stolen base record. He did get ejected that day and uh, reinstated and have no idea why.
1: Uh, like I said, you had uh, the the late great Mitch Ball, baseball candidate, great one of the founders of our association here in in, uh, in Lethbridge. You had him in the book. Uh, what what's your take on Mitch over the years, and uh, what you uh, what when he uh, submitted his answers for you? What was uh, what was your your uh, your interaction with Mitch like? All the all uh, for for how many years? I'm not sure, but what was your take on on, on uh, the late Mitch Ball? Mitch was just uh,
0: the quickest thing that comes to mind. Is he's just a ray of sunshine. He was. he's such a great man. And it's just it had nothing to do with his umpire. He's just a great guy. He's fun to be around. He was my crew chief for the Canada Games. And uh so we hung out a lot together. We talked a lot together. We did a few uh schemes together because we were in we were housed in with other officials from other sports. So we gave the uh the yachting people, the yachting officials, a uh, hard time because they got, hardly ever got to work because they couldn't go work if, the, if there's any slight wind, which seemed kind of strange. But, uh, you know, we teased them a little bit, stuff like that. But Mitch was, and you learned so much from him that uh, it, it was just, it was just fun being around him.
1: Yeah, Mitch got me back into, I, I was out of the game for quite some time. And I, I, I lost touch with him. I seen him at a few games here and there when I just go as a uh, as a spectator. And then he uh, he cornered me, and I was uh, I had a couple of adult beverage beverages in me, and he I said, uh, he just out of nowhere, I said you should get back umpire and I said, ah, Mitch, it's been too long, been too long. And he kept bugging me and bugging me, and he finally I finally bugged me so much he convinced me to do it that night. so uh, and ever since then've been back in and doing the whole thing. And that's one of my uh, like you you have your question number eight and your, your nine best stories is your favorite umpire related story. And it comes back to to being with Mitch and and Cody Nelson and the WCBL one couple of things was 2019 uh an hour and 48 game I was on the plate a uh one nothing game it was just great to be out there with Mitch for the first time in a lot of years and like you, you go like I said you go through your your nine questions here and it gets the the brain thinking a lot for umpires at all levels and I think it's you know, you're it's a it's a fantastic book and the, the way you put it all together like I'm, I'm looking forward to it if it's half as good as your as, as your your blog posts uh no I'm really looking forward to it because your blog posts are fantastic um Let's get into your 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 mentoring a little bit and your your uh, teaching and, and and the whole bit of, of umpires. Do you have you ever had to tell somebody maybe this isn't for you? Hmm. I'm sure I thought it. <laughs> you never want to push anybody away. You might you might not get them back, and it's hard to replace guys. But yeah, no,
0: because you know what I have done, I have supervised people who I said to myself, they're never gonna go any further than whatever it is, 15U or 15UAA u or 18U, whatever. And I've been wrong. I've been wrong several times about those things. And I thought I could spot an umpire right from the start. And I think, still think I can, but I also know now that I'm not always right. So I don't think I would ever tell anybody it's just not for you because I've seen people If they want to, they can turn it around. They can improve. Umpiring isn't a great mystery. It's just hard work and thick skin. So I don't think I could ever tell anybody that unless I already knew they didn't want to umpire and they're just waiting for somebody to tell them that
1: that that's the biggest thing is is, is to stick with guys if as high as levels they get is U 12 or whatever it may be i get all the leagues mixed up and what levels they, everything is it confuses me a little yeah. bit so many different verbiage to the whole thing uh, but yeah you, if that's high as they go and they're, they're excited about it they're good enough good for them like that's may, may, maybe sometimes we, we, we all should take a step back and not try try to go to something that we can't do and fail and then just quit because that's i think how we end up losing a lot of umpires they get a little bit overwhelmed because we do push guys a little bit more because of the the, the shortage that there is. Um, what's like one thing that that like you're like you're do, doing games? What's the one thing? And I'm using some of your questions here. Uh, what's one of the hardest things looking back that that you had a hard time learning as an umpire? What's like the hardest thing you just couldn't get it? Like you, as much as it was even in your head to keep trying to do it, you just couldn't grasp onto something. What 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 was that one thing?
0: Still the hardest for me that I, I, like I said before, I have several goals every year. And I think this one is a goal every year. It's to not figure that I'm so smart. I know what's going to happen. It happens to me all the time. Okay. There's a foul ball near the fence. That's over the fence. Nobody's going to catch it here. I'll get the the pitcher a new ball. And then somebody makes a, a great catch at the fence. You know, they climb the fence and make a great catch or, uh, A third baseman dives toward the line to knock down a ball. Well, he's never going to throw that guy out at first, so I'm not going to go up the line as the plate umpire, you know, because he's he's never going to throw him out, and he does. So I really try not to anticipate the play, and I try to give every play 100%, even though the evidence is there that it's not going to happen. You still have to try and, and imagine that it's going to happen. You better darn be prepared for it, because that's when trouble happens. When we're when we ex, don't expect the unexpected, when we're not ready for something unusual, that's when we get
1: into trouble. Yeah, that's one thing we learn here in Lethbridge. The wind blows seventy the least most most days of the week. So when something's going a little bit wide, you think it's going out. No, don't give up on that ball down down the third baseline, especially Lloyd Nolan Yard. That that thing's going to blow back no matter what, and it might might actually be a fair ball sometimes. Uh, yeah, you you just wonder like, and you 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 try to like you try to work hard at every pitch, and like you said in your blog post, that every pitch matters to somebody, and and it, it has to matter to the umpire as well. That's something that doesn't get, I don't think, gets pushed enough. Is the uh, the every pitch mentality because your your next most important call is your next call. Nobody cares about the call that you made in the third inning that a guy was out on a routine ground ball. Your next call is the most important one, and that's something that's got to be really pushed into people's heads, and then forget about that, that bad call you may have made and get back into the next call because that, that's the one that you can redeem yourself a little bit.
0: Well, that's what we look for as supervisors. We This is going to sound bad when I first say it, but stay with me. Don't jump the ship here. I think supervisors want an official to screw up on the field if we're supervising, not because we want them to screw up, but we want to see how they adapt after that if everything happens, they could be the best umpire in the world, but if they have a routine, boring game where nothing happens, everybody's out by 10 feet, every pitch that's a strike is swung at, so they've got no decisions to make. How do we know they're the best umpire in the world? They need to show us something. So we hope for something controversial or close or interesting that happens to them. Then we can see how they adapt after that and adjust to it. If they're focusing on the play that just happened, they're going to miss another one, so the good guys will bounce back from that and work harder as they go forward instead of looking backward the whole time.
1: Uh, I'll go in reverse a little bit, but the, the question I asked you about how, telling someone maybe this isn't for you. Uh, but is there? Do you ever see find find some people sometimes that they just lose it, or that they they should have been better than they were and they just didn't they just didn't get it for whatever reason, or, or regressed so horribly that they gave up. Do you, do you see that a lot over the years?
0: Oh, I've seen I've seen a lot. I'm sure you have too. I've seen people who are, are are going along with a great game and then they miss one and somebody starts yelling at them and they might as well go home. And, and I've been in games. I've been the guy where I don't know. I'm in my head now, so I can't, uh, I'm asking myself, is that really a strike that I just called? Because I don't know anymore. And since I've been in that place, I can understand a lot of other people. Instead of just saying, oh, that guy, he's not going to be an umpire. If he can bounce back after that, the next game, if he can't do it today, maybe he can do it. If he comes back the next day, that says a lot. So yeah, everybody screws up and some people fall apart during that game. And when they do, it's time to go back to the fundamentals because that's why they're there. There's a reason the fundamentals are there. So you need to know what they are and just cling to them when it happens to you when there's a problem.
1: Yeah, that's the biggest thing you notice. If if a guy bounces back a little bit and just say, like, okay, I, and if they can admit the mistake is, is, is another thing. And then, you know, okay, this guy's got it a little bit. And he gets it and he's, he's, he's a gamer and he's not going to let that one call bother him. And he and he keeps coming out and trying to get better. That is you you see that and you you'd rather have a, a person keep keep screwing up, I guess. Maybe not so much on the during a game, but in a clinic or or in a, a care caravan or whatever it may be. If they keep screwing up but keep coming back, that means that they're they're investing. They 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 want to learn a little bit and, and get better at it. And, and those those people usually get better and are, aren't just gifted it because we we do have a uh a lot of hat fillers who just show up and they they don't care if they make a mistake or not. And that's something that I I hope that we can get rid of around here is, is the hat fillers, because you'd almost rather have nobody than just a guy out there who doesn't care.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't find too many guys who, who don't care, fortunately, but we have some, what we do have are guys who you can't talk to. They come off the field after what I, what I consider a very bad game poor quality from the umpire and they go, I was awesome out there today. Let's go get a beer. And there's not much you can do with those people. I don't think I, I don't have many guys who just don't care because I don't think even though we're always looking for umpires, I just don't think we'd let them in our association for very long.
1: Yeah, we're doing a little bit of, of, uh, not weeding, but, um, maneuvering, I guess, is one way, one way of putting it and putting people at different levels. And we we sent out a questionnaire, what levels you want to do. And then we kind of said, well, maybe you're not ready for that because you, you were before, but now you didn't partake in certain things. You're not trying to improve yourself. So that's what we're kind of doing around here is, is setting people up to succeed a little bit more. So then maybe they'll get a more a little more fire in their belly because they're, if they're out there doing a better job, uh, they 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 sense get more of a sense of accomplishment, and they're not saying, yeah, "I'll do this game just because you need somebody." And that's something I think that has got to happen everywhere with this umpire shortage is getting guys to uh, to be more invested in and and enjoying it more, and going out there and getting yelled at. Because l- like you were saying earlier, Kent, is that uh, it's not nearly as ruthless as it was in the in the '90s and and the, the '80s and '90s compared to what it is now. Like there might be the odd uh, parent here and there, but. Man, like if you you look back at some of those old uh, videos and just the memories of some of the stuff that I have in my head, there was some some days like you would get yelled at before the home plate meeting just because. And I, we don't have that anymore. And it's kind of when it, you hear the the uh, quote unquote horror stories that people have now compared to what it actually was back then. I mean, things always seem more elaborate back in the past. But like some of the stories that you that you must have in your head from back back in the day. They must uh, make your head spin compared to what it is now.
0: Yeah, we've. I've had. Uh, I've had threats. I've haven't had as many as other people I know. Other umpires in our association who have had threats. We had one classic again back in the nineties, where we had a, a, an actual fistfight between an umpire and a coach. But today you couldn't do that. It wouldn't happen. They'd both be done, I would think. And that's not what happened back then. It's just a, a different time, and you have to adjust to the different times and, and move on.
1: Do you do you think it's do you think it's worse now? Because because now now there's the internet and everything else, and you, there's clickbait no matter where, and everything hits the news on the negative stuff, and we never we never hear about the positives of it. Do you think it's actually as bad as people make it out to be, or is it more a uh, a media driven madness com- compared to what it was? Like we we're just saying back in the nineties.
0: That's a very good question. Because of the internet, we're more aware of it now. I belong to a. I bought a new car a while ago and uh, thought the car was great. Then I went on a, a Facebook group for people with these cars, and never knew there's so many problems with the cars. Mine works great, but everybody else apparently is having a problem with it. So you get the kind of the same thing with the umpiring. Gee, things here are great, but I just saw seven fights with umpires online. So. It must be horrible to be an umpire. I I do think it's worse to an extent. I think the respect for officials is dwindling. It's getting less. And people don't just, and it's not just in sports, it's authority figures all over. I think that respect has been lost for authority figures from the younger people. And I worry about where sports are headed because of that but there's always hope that we can turn it around. And uh, our association, what we're feeling in our association is uh, umpiring in our province and baseball in our province in general is problems are down percentage wise, ejections are down, but the severity of things has gone from a scale on a scale of one to 10, it's gone from whatever it was, a three to a five, they're more intense wild experiences rather than just a, a, not a an easy ejection
1: yeah i i find that it's not so much the coaches i think it's more so the parents because little billy or little susie they think that they're they're getting their their kids getting screwed over a little bit and i think it's more so the parents than it is than it is the uh the coaches the the coaches you can just give, give them the old ignore acknowledge uh warn and eject and they usually by the time you, you warn they're they're they're, they're gone so you can just acknowledge it and it usually goes away but parents I think are, are way more ruthless than, than they were 30 years ago in my opinion
0: And the, uh, that's I don't disagree with that and the kids learn from they learn from their coaches they learn from everybody because they see that's they learn mind. a lot more by seeing than than being told And if they see something going on in the field whether it's the coach yelling at the umpire and the umpire accepting that then they learn that that's acceptable. If they hear their parents doing it, then that's what they learn to do, that they learn that's acceptable behavior. So something's got to be done. I, I, we haven't had that as much here, I don't think, but it is here, especially at the lower levels where the parents think their kid's going to be the next Babe Ruth. I hope that's not too old a reference for some of you people out no,
1: there. No, I think our demographic <laughs> is right about there. It's right about there.
0: <laughs> but we've got to... Have somebody in the stands, I think, that can that can teach the parents that calm down here. It's a baseball game, and that wasn't the end of the world. I had a, a game last year. It was a, a mid-season tournament. It's a memorial tournament. I'm standing beside the parents. I'm supervising the game, and this is junior age. This isn't younger age. This is 17, 17-year-olds. Things are going really bad for one team, and the umpires' calls are going against them. The coach, the parents I'm standing with, are enjoying that because they're with the other team. But the game's long; it takes a long time to play. By the sixth or seventh inning, the calls start to go against this bunch now that I'm standing beside. And every one of them turned to me and started yelling at me. They were, it was great when things were going their way. Unbelievable. And then. They knew all of a sudden they knew who I was and what I was doing there, and that these were my umpires and they were screwing up and I should be ashamed for letting them out on the field and nothing changed. It's just different teams. The breaks didn't go any their way anymore. And it was just, I was smiling. I was laughing. It was so ridiculous. But that's the way it goes now. It's acceptable to just blame the umpires
1: it's crazy. Like when a game gets to that point where it's dragging on and all of a sudden the score is 21 to 20, you have been out there for three hours or whatever it is. And it longer and walk and error. And the, the, these people have to kind of understand and coaches, players, parents, I shouldn't say these people, cause that's not a very nice reference, but the, that group has to understand the last person who wants to be out there in the, in that baseball game is the umpire. Cause they're the ones who get are getting the brunt of both sides at that point. the The baseball is usually terrible, so they're they're they have to work a little a lot a lot harder to try to get calls right. And they got to be more on their toes because of, of the the mayhem and they're playing dodgeball instead of baseball out there. And the, the, these people got to realize that the umpire is the last one that wants to be there anymore, because it it can be it can be atrocious some nights out there.
0: I've often said, bad baseball makes for bad umpiring. If a pitcher's not throwing strikes, then you've got to, to keep the game going, you've got to go look for strikes. So now you're you're losing your consistency because you know that's not a strike, but maybe I can get away with calling that because I don't want 17 walks tonight. Or if I see a guy who's, I know the the fielder pulled his foot off the bag, but nobody else can see it, I don't think so. I'm going to call the guy out just to move the game along. That's bad umpiring, but it's the result of bad baseball. But the players don't see that; they just think that it's bad umpiring.
1: Yeah, that's that because that's your your tenth question. That's kind of that's the game management thing, and that and that's a big part of it. Game management is such a huge thing because most games will take care of themselves balls yeah. and strikes outs and safes and the most of them will take care of care of themselves there there isn't many boxing and, and, and interference and obstructions and all that really the game will take care of itself but an umpire at, at especially the amateur levels they have to learn how to manage it and and that's something that can't really be taught it has to be kind of learned with experience uh that don't call a guy out if he was safe and don't call a guy safe he's out just because there, there's there's a way to, to do things there's a way to explain it. Ah, uh, to to the managers or coaches or players, when it's all said and done, is that something that you, when you're a supervisor, that you, you try to 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 teach a little bit? Is game management
0: game management, like you said, is really hard to teach. So when it when you see an opportunity in in a game, you can't pass it up because it's it's not something that you can just say, okay, if this ever happens to you, here's what you do. If you have a situation where they could have handled it differently or better. That's the time to talk about it right after that game. So yeah, game management, it's hard and it's difficult. And like you said, the main way to learn about it is, is through experience. And I'd like to say quite proudly that I have lots of experience because there's there's not a rule I can think of off the top of my head that I haven't screwed up somewhere along the way. But the thing is, I learned from it. When I was out on the field and I had some time, the pitch is warming up or it's between innings whatever, I was always playing, what if, what if? I don't know. I better find out. What if this happens? I better find out because I don't know the answer to that. So I would ask people or look it up when I got home. And with game management, there's probably potential for a book there as well. Just (laughs) not game management. But I don't know if you could ever do it justice. It's hard it's the hardest question i think there is is what is game management and how do you do it
1: there is little tricks it, if you like because mostly you, you umpire in your community or in your area you don't travel a whole bunch so you do get to know some players and coaches uh, and the likes and there is little tricks of the trade that you, you can use i don't know if i should say them on, on the uh the, the kid out there because i don't want people who don't know me to think oh jesus it's what's this what this guy's a hack and everything else but there are yeah there are definitely some tricks of the trade that that get uh that get learned and i think it has a lot to do with a person's personality too how they can maybe get away with one i guess is one way of saying it and and then that you get you get forgiven a little bit more uh kent we'll get you out of here i got to gonna use some of your questions to get you out of here thanks so much for doing this it's been a great interview so far Good uh fun. let's do uh, this one what's your fate number eight what's your favorite umpire related story They're your questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I didn't have to answer them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Big silence. Never good for a, for a podcast. Oh, it's fine. Uh, wow. My favorite story. Boy, I'm drawing blanks. Um, can we come back to that?
1: Sure, we'll come back to that one. Uh, what's the worst thing that's happened to you? Uh, the worst thing about umpiring or the worst thing that's happened to you while umpiring?
0: The worst thing that's happened while umpiring, I think, is uh, a brawl. Just makes you sick. Like I don't, I don't have any stake in it. I'm not worried physically about. I don't know the players, as you know, they're not my family. Yeah. But when it happens on the field, you just feel sick. Like. uh, Maybe you could have done something to prevent that, knowing that you can't. You can replay it over in your head. If, if a guy gets hit by a pitch out of the blue and storms the mound and there's a brawl, there's nothing you can do about that. But you still think, oh, I could have done something. I could have done this better or earlier or something. So it, it, I hate when that happens. It doesn't have. I've had it happen twice.
1: Oh, really? I've, I've, I've had a couple little confrontations, I guess, that, that ended up in, in beside a dugout, but nothing that was uh, any punches thrown. Benches kind of cleared a little bit, but nothing that got to physical. It's a lot of uh, "yes sir, no sir" kind of conversation that was out in the field, but nothing like a brawl. And I, yeah, I couldn't imagine because like you, you, there's really because all of a sudden you got 30 people running around just, and it's a Donnybrook and there's nothing you can. There's nothing you can do. That that comes down to the coaches trying to break things up. And there was I, I don't even know how you would approach try, trying to break something up like that. I it's something that I guess that's something a guy, a guy could try to teach at a clinic or someday and try to and say, hey, this might happen, because people people tend to get a little bit crazy when it comes to that little uh, white orb that they throw around. It it gets crazy. Uh, What's the best thing about umpire? How long you got? Lots. Because
0: uh, baseball is the greatest thing ever invented. Not just the greatest game, but the greatest thing, I think, ever invented. It's meant a lot to me since I was 10 years old when I started playing and now I'm 64. I still get to enjoy the game as a participant for 54 years. there's not many things that you can say that you've been able to do full out for 54 years. So it's it's meant everything to me. The people that I've met in the game from from the time I was 10, the, the friends and players I've met to the coaches and the fellow umpires that I've met and the places I've traveled, and the people I've I've met on those travels and just seeing the beauty of the, the baseball diamonds and being out there and seeing the skill, it's just something I'll never forget. So it, baseball to me is mind boggling. It's the whole thing is great.
1: No, that's, I feel that pretty much the exact same way. It's it's crazy. And you try to tell that to kids who are, who are playing nowadays and like the odd catcher. And when they get a little bit older and you say, maybe give this, give this, well, I want to play forever. Well, you're not going to play forever. If, if you're still if you're still playing in a game that I'm umpiring, there's a good chance you're not going to be playing forever. It's just one of those <laughs> things. And uh, so you, you try to, especially catchers, you go, you, you, you get a rapport with, with some guys and push them towards umpiring. Because you can actually do this for literally ever. You can be a part of the game as either an umpire or supervisor or or do clinics or whatever it may be. You can do this forever if you really love it. And I, you, you try to push more kids into it. Uh, I, like I said, I know m- most kids want to, they want to play forever, but that's just not a thing eventually just run out of games. And, and, and that's just a thing. And it's, it's, it's uh it's odd that more people don't realize that the people who say they love baseball, most, uh, most people who are, are umpires, they love baseball.
0: I was out on the field one time doing a double header with a guy. This is probably back in the nineties. And I was doing played in the second game of a double header. Both games were really bad and really long. It was probably about midnight. It was raining. And both games were really bad, probably, you know, 15-3 and nobody could throw a strike. And in between innings, he came in to me and I was just in a bad mood. And I was just going to say, this is the worst night of my life kind of thing. And he came in and said, isn't this great? Where else would you rather be?
1: Yeah.
0: And he was right. And ever since then, I've realized that I'm very lucky to be able to be out in that field. You don't always get to be out there in, in 80 degrees and sunshine. You still get to be out on a baseball
1: field, which is pretty neat. Yeah, that's the one thing that I, like once, like the worst thing for me about doing games is the hour before I got to go to the field when you kind of go, I don't want to, it gets (laughs) between your ears. I don't want to do this. I could be watching the Yankees or whatever. I could be doing this or that. And it's the the six or eight inch between my ears depends how big the hat is that day, but that's the worst part of the, of a game for me. But once I'm there and putting my stuff on, and I always go. This is this is great to be a part of this, and, and I'm 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 lucky to be a part of it at, at, at any capacity because it's 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 so much. Uh, it's fun, and the, the people, like you said, the people that you get to meet through umpiring and, and everything else. It's a, a lot of characters, a lot of stories that happen uh, on a, a day in, day out base or night in, night out basis, whatever level you're doing. No, it's uh, I think it's the greatest thing in the world. And why why more people don't do it? I, I will never understand it.
0: Yeah, right. It's it's a lot of fun right from the start. Kent, Except plug you- that getting off the couch and getting to the game. You're right.
1: That's the worst part. It is. Yeah. Like, but once you're 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 walking into the dressing room, or whatever it is, that then it's a yeah, okay, let's let's go have some fun. Kent, uh, plug plug your uh, umpire mentor's book. What where he, where they can get it and and the whole book. Give it give it a good plug for uh, for the math here.
0: Thank you very much. It's uh, I'm very proud of the book. It's uh, it was a lot of hard work. It took me two years to put together, and a lot of help from other people. Don't get me wrong. Uh, You can go to umpirementors.com to find out more about it. You can go to Amazon, or you can go to Barnes & Noble, both of those. And there's links to those on our website, or you can just Google it once you're, search for it once you're on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. It's a thick book. It weighs almost two pounds. It's 394 pages long, eight and a half by 11 sheets, so it's not small paper. There's a lot to it. There's a hundred umpires in there who have extensive knowledge about umpiring and mentoring. So if you want to learn about the game, if you want to learn from the best, I don't. I know I'm biased, but it's a it's a pretty darn good book. I
1: think. No, I'm looking forward to like a, a couple of guys I know have read and they 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 said it's a it's an easy read because you're interested in it and you, and you keep going and going and before you know it, you it's done and you smile and you learn something a bit. Uh, quickly, because like umpires who uh, who give a darn about the the fine art of umpiring, they they always they seem to want to get better, and they become sponges this kind of this kind of content, and this these those kind of uh that kind of that kind of uh, book and everything else. So, no, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much. And if you when you go to uh, umpirementors.com, make sure you check out uh, Kent's blog as well. He's got great great info on there as well. Go ahead, Kent. Oh,
0: thank you very much. I I just wanted to. I didn't want to get away with not answering your question before. Okay, come back.
1: To I him. thought you gave up on it, but go ahead.
0: No, 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 no. <laughs> I promised I'd come back to it. So, I don't know if I have the best story because every story to me is great. When I, I've, I've had lots happen to me on the field and off the field. But what I like are other people's stories and other people's reactions to things. I've. Been to world juniors where I've been on the field with, uh, I think it was it's 20 years ago now. I think it was uh, Chinese Taipei and USA where I saw some unbelievable plays and, you know, the coach for Chinese Taipei coming out to argue with you with an interpreter is kind <laughs> of a, an experience. Yeah. So those things are fun. Uh, I've always loved Mark Jones. Stories where he get Mark Jones is from Newfoundland, so just just hear that accent when he's telling stories, and he gets very just, That
1: just makes the stories better no matter what. Yeah. Just with that accent, it just makes it better. They like can be talking about anything, mowing the lawn. The story's great, yeah.
0: Right, and he gets so passionate about it. It's so fun and when he tells the story. If if you know Mark, you guys and girls ask him about the the time he had to eject another umpire because it's a, it's a great story. I just love that one. So. Anything that's happened on the field, I, I just absolutely just love being there. There I've had some, some weird things happen on the field where I didn't know how to deal with them. Uh if you get a play, tell me how you deal with this. Now there's a runner on second base. The bag is loose. It's it's tied with a strap but not tight. The pickoff goes to second base, it hits the The runner, he goes back in standing up It hits him. So now the second baseman who went to cover the play knows he didn't catch the ball, but he doesn't know where it is. So he starts heading into the outfield to find the ball. The runner knows that he didn't catch the ball because it hit him. So now what he's got to do is find out where the ball is. So does he stay at second or does he go to third? Nobody can find the ball, so he goes to third. When he gets to third, we discover that the ball is under the base because the base is loose. Oh, geez. So, give me a rule reference on that, please.
1: Oh, I don't even know what you. Is it two? Would it be two bases time or throw because the ball gets no? Because it's still in in play. It's in play.
0: They just don't know where it is. Don't
1: know where it is.
0: Accessible.
1: That, that's I, when I, I might have to confer with my partner on that one because I, I think you stumped me up on that one what what, what well, you, the
0: great thing what the you great thing about it is nobody knows because it's never going to happen again it's never happened before probably so you just <laughs> let the, we just let the play happen and say
1: the ball was live what are you going to do well, i just just lie i guess <laughs> the, yeah
0: well i don't have a rule reference to make what do you think i got here <laughs> yeah so the ball was thrown away. It, it hit the runner on second, so it's not his fault. They threw the ball away. So if we're going to lean towards punishing anybody or letting something go, the uh, the defense screwed up. So if the guy wants to go to third base, I'm going to let him go to third base.
1: Yeah, just let him let him keep running. Find the ball. You threw it away. It's, it's, it's on you, not on me. That's, that's, that feel sounds free like to disagree you with me. You, thing. Yeah.
0: Feel free to disagree with me. You're not wrong because I don't have a rule to back me up. That I know of. So anytime you see something like that, and I've had several things where you just go, "Huh, okay." I've had I've had games where uh, they've lost their how to call. They lost their designated hitter through ejection, so when they come out on the field, they don't have enough players left, but they still have nine, right? But yeah. so do you call the game or not? And and oh, by the way, they're up by eleven
1: runs. Oh God! So then you got a forfeit situation, uh, and then the other team, the other team's basically packed it in already. So that that's where the game management thing has to come in. You got to you got to start explaining things with a smile on your face a little bit.
0: What I like doing a lot at clinics and at other times is coming up with situations, and all of them that I use are real life. I'm not just making them up off my head. They've either happened to me or happened to somebody. In our association and they don't have a role that i can find so i like to to tell these ask these guys what are you going to do what type what type of umpire are you the best one i use is the example of the australian league where the guy hit a triple i think in the playoffs and the catcher goes to ask for time from the plate umpire after everything dies down to go out and talk to his pitcher. He asked for time, it's on the video, he asked for time. The plate umpire is turning his back on him. The crowd's yelling, he doesn't hear him ask for time. Once he goes out to the mound with the ball, the guy from third comes home. Of course. Of course. Four ejections later, Uh, no, could that have, is that how you want to handle that? Because that's what happened, there were four ejections because of
1: that uh, playoff game yeah it, it can't be some u12 game on a tuesday afternoon somewhere in the middle of summer right it has to be something of that you come to a bunch of actual adults and yeah it's it's crazy how the people just uh, <laughs> forget about that kind of stuff and how the, the game just uh most times like i said it, it takes it takes care of itself but there's situations that they that they aren't they aren't in a manual they're, they're just yeah. not and it, it comes down to game management and how you you can handle people and handle situation and how well your partner may, may have seen something and how you got to be a teammate with with your partners out there because if, if, let's say if that guy the first base uh, umpire the third base guy might might have saw something then he said yeah he called time you should have granted it or however you but it's it's ways you have to deal with with the the human element of baseball not just what the rule book says yeah and and, and, that, yeah. and that's a big thing you can't really teach that like like we were saying
0: yeah and you at all times you want to, you feel bad for the team. That's going to have to suffer here. And maybe it's you, maybe you screwed up and you're going to have to bite the bullet on it. But at the same time at the bottom line should be, I got to do what's
1: right. So the trouble sometimes is figuring out what's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's and that's that that's right in in most facets of life. Actually, what's right is much is, is much more important than uh, what the what the rule book might say. Because uh, the rule book of life is is a lot different than the actual rule book of of uh, what the law says, right? So no, it's a never, great. No, never it's, mind uh, what's
0: never mind what's fair what's going to get me out of here with the least trouble. It's <laughs> yeah,
1: a, how won't I be scoring for this the most? That's that's right. Yeah. That's exactly it. No, Ken, thanks. This was great. Like I, I, thank you very much for doing this. It was a, it was a lot, a good learning experience. I heard some great baseball stories and I'm sure we, you could, we could do this for hours on end. Uh, it was great talking to you and hope to have you on the, the Hey Blue podcast once again, sometime soon. Anytime. Love to do it. When do you guys start start, start playing baseball again out there?
0: We usually start about Victoria Day, middle of May.
1: Yeah. You guys? Uh, we got games scheduled for March the fourth. They, they want to wow. get going, but we had some snow in the. Gr- There's still a lot, some snow banks and ice on the field, so who knows? But then March fourth, they got them. Uh, they got them scheduled to get going again, but it's what it is. They they they, they, they play all year long on here. They let them. Wow. Too, oh, well, that's so lucky. A lot of fun though. No, can't, Thank you very much. We'll uh, we'll have you on again soon.
0: Great, I appreciate it,
1: thank you. Thank you, you sir.